Hello and welcome into the Feels Like 45 podcast. I'm Cade Webb, and this week I am not joined by Dustin Ragusa. He is out of office. I don't know where in the world he is, but I am joined by a friend of the podcast, friend of your boy, my brother, Cameron Webb. Cameron, welcome back to the show. How are you? I'm good, man. Good to be back. It's been a while. So yeah. I was due. Here we are. Did you bring your punch card with you? Uh, that's going to be important because I think this is number three, right? Number three in yep, the saddle. Third time. third time's a charm. Yeah, well, we're, we're really glad to have you, um, especially as Oklahoma State basketball. I mean, truly in – in the do or die part of the season. So I'm excited to have you on this week because outside of myself and maybe Dustin at times, you're the next biggest Oklahoma state basketball fan that I know. So I was very excited to get you on this week and talk through all of these things. Like just a little bit of background, Cameron and I, obviously my little brother, but uh, we have been Oklahoma state basketball diehards since I can remember, I mean, you, you would say the same. I would even go as far to say Oklahoma State basketball was my first, you know, OSU love. And then football came a little bit after. I don't know about, you know, how you feel about it, but that's why this week always looms so large for me. I don't know about you. Yeah, I'd still say football came first for me. I just, my memory of Oklahoma State basketball started after the Eddie Sutton prime. So I think that's where I, I like, I, Still have very early memories of Oklahoma State basketball, um, but it was it was football as the first love, and then basketball is is a close, different second. Yeah, I mean, I was I was ten years old when John Lucas hit the three to uh, beat St. Joe and go to the Final Four. Uh, I I remember falling on the floor when Will Bynum hit the go ahead layup against Georgia Tech uh, in the Final Four. Not that it would have mattered. I think Oklahoma State would have gotten rolled in the in the championship game. But I remember those days. And when you get to March, as an Oklahoma State fan that grew up in that time, uh, it does feel a little bit different. And it feels like even as, as difficult as this season has been, it's just like if Oklahoma State can catch a little bit of fire and a little bit of wind in their sails, you know, this, this team – and I, I may get dragged within the first five minutes, but it does have some of the pieces that you look for in March. Now, where we're going with this, and let, let's just start, you know, the last week or so. Oklahoma State goes on a tear. We'll, we'll, we'll go back even a little bit further. Goes on a tear, wins seven out of eight, and then drops the next six, which was unfathomable at the time. You're thinking, you know, Oklahoma State's playing for seeding. It kind of feels like the Cade Cunningham year all over again where you're looking at not the 9-8 line, you're looking at, like, can Oklahoma State make a five-seed type of run? Yeah. And uh, obviously that is not what ended up happening. As Oklahoma State goes on a slide, they hit the real meat of their schedule. They run into a buzzsaw in Kansas. Kansas State was a game that they let slip away. Baylor at home, uh, another buzzsaw. And then you look up and you're in a 
three game stretch of must win games. And, you know, yep. just to kind of walk back, Texas Tech in Lubbock is not a game that you want to have to win, <laughs> but they did no. go win it, right? Yeah, they did. And it was in such a, I felt like the, you know, I might be speaking for myself, but the, for me, the season felt already like it was like, well, now we're going to have to go on some crazy tear here in the next few games. And it felt a little bit over to me. And then we did. Yeah, you know, we rip off the next two, and you're right back into the bubble conversation. Um, but, yeah, it was uh, it was an interesting uh, – that five-game stretch was just such a weird time where it was just like, well, we'll get this one. We might get this one. We have another opportunity. And then you look up, and there's no real opportunities left. Now you're in do-or-die mode. Now – you know, two straight wins, and then you'll lose this one against Texas. And then now we're just as big of a question mark as we've been all year. Yeah, it, it really, I mean, and I don't want to get into Texas just quite yet, but this three-game stretch almost personifies the entire season. Like, you beat the teams that on paper you should, and you're not all that competitive against the teams that it would take a good performance to win. But, like, it, it felt like for most of the season – Oklahoma State was just kind of outclassed by the top half of the league and sure. did a really good job of outclassing the bottom half of the league. And that's literally what happened in Lubbock, in Kansas City, as well as Oklahoma State. I mean, really kind of it, – it looks like Oklahoma doesn't belong on the same floor with them. And then against Texas, it it's kind of the opposite. Like, it looks like <laughs> Oklahoma State doesn't really belong on the same floor as Texas with the way that they play. So, you know, to me, Cameron, I mean, let's just kind of walk through it. You go get that win against Texas Tech, right? Caleb Asbury goes nuts. That was a must win. If you don't win that game, your season is over for all intents and purposes, unless you go on a tear in Kansas City. Then you get to Kansas City in the Big 12 tournament, and you draw Oklahoma, and you win that game comfortably. And now you're thinking, okay, you're you're in right now, but you're one bid steal or two bid stealers away from not being in the tournament. And now you're thinking, okay, if Oklahoma state can beat Texas, they're in. And unfortunately that didn't happen. And I'll, I'll just kind of walk down. Let's just talk on the Texas game real quickly because it's the most recent one we're recording right as the game ended. It's a terrible matchup for Oklahoma state, Texas's guards and their athleticism in the paint truly make the difference in that matchup. But Texas held Oklahoma state under 50 points twice this season, which is, it's unfathomable, truly. It is, and I'm not wrong here. We held them under 60 in Galapa, right? Yeah, so Oklahoma State, to your point, Cameron, has held them to 56 and 60 and has lost by right. double digits in both of those games. And it's the game we play, you know, there's matchups in the Big 12 where I think I was texting you about it. Baylor and Texas, it feels like, are just teams where, where I think nine out of ten times it's a really bad matchup for us. And then if you, you know, play good enough on defense, cause enough havoc like we did against Texas, hope to hold them under 60, you feel like you have a chance. Then both of those opportunities against Texas, you fall flat, you score in the 40s. You know, today we made 14 shots. And that's just kind of – that's that's the difference – we played the the game the way we wanted to and just did not capitalize on offense either time. 
Yeah, I, I mean, the, the stats are, are right there in front of you. 27% shooting from the field against Texas. That's just not going to get it done. And what's unfortunate, to your point, it at the as that game ended, it's like, man, I felt like that was a winnable game if you just, like, shoot a normal clip from the field. 27% from the field is abysmal, and they were worse from three. Like, they are a bad three-point shooting team, but they were awful on on Thursday night. And if they if they are just their average, this is probably a really competitive game, but they shot below their average in all three meetings against Texas. So as much fun as it would have been to feel like that was a, a game that they could win, you know, going into it, it's like I, I see no reason to feel like this is a good matchup for Oklahoma State. I think you'd almost rather run into a Kansas that, you know, you can you might get lucky with a, a cold shooting night from Grady Dick or something along those lines. So it's unfortunate, but, you know, to be honest, Oklahoma State was a seven-point underdog going into that game. I think it would have been a stretch to feel like that that was a game you should have won. I think definitely it's a game you feel like you could have won. Um, But ultimately, Cameron, Oklahoma State falls by double digits again to Texas. And I think on Selection Sunday, Oklahoma State is going to be absolutely sweating they they could very well be the last team in or the first team out and neither would be a surprise yeah and there's not there's not a there's not a right or wrong answer in a way like you look up like quad one quad one wins yeah we checked the box uh big 12 record eight wins usually gets you in you look up and you have 15 losses um so you kind of don't have that standalone win you look up and are we in are we out where where what's the right answer what's the wrong answer I just don't quite know where that's going to fall I don't know you know what the correct even answer is when you look at it yeah and I mean if you look at Oklahoma State's record uh, 18 and 15 is not glistening at all and Dustin and I talked about this last weekend if you win the game against Southern Illinois and you win the game against Central Florida, you end the season at 20 and 13, you're a lock. You're you're not For even sure. sweating it right now. And it's it's so difficult to go back and and you know gripe about those two games in November, but uh every single one of these matters and it's it's truly unfortunate that after everything that this team has gone through with Musa Cisse being completely unavailable for the month of January, Avery Anderson, basically for the entire month of February and March, it's looking like uh, that this team had, they just taken care of business when they were healthy against teams that they had double digit leads against in the second yep. half, this whole thing doesn't matter. And you're not looking at teams like Nevada and Utah State and and hoping for a miracle because right now again as we're talking Joe Lenardi has Oklahoma State as the last team in the field Joe Lenardi you know is is by all intents and purposes the the kind of godfather of bracketology but he is he's he's not always the most accurate so take that for what it's worth Oklahoma State very well could right now be on the outside looking in and need a lot more to fall their way so there is no question they are going to be sweating on Selection Sunday. Yeah, no, no question about it. And, you know, you mentioned the UCF game, the Southern Illinois game. I'll give you two more. You lead an Allen Fieldhouse by, what is it, 14. Oh. You lead 
by 12 against Kansas State, I think you honestly just have to get one of those four games. Um, I don't know how much of a debate it is. Um, so that's where, you know, you can lose to Kansas State. You can lose to Kansas and, and not feel horrible about it. But that's where the, that, that early home loss to Southern Illinois, you know, those are just kind of unacceptable. And it's, it's a, almost a pattern um, under Boynton where, it, you know, the season did have the Cade Cunningham season feel to it up until February. It did, yeah. where you start a little slow, you thought things were going to be a little bit more polished, and then something clicks, and you're like, oh, this is it. Like, this is the team we were expecting. Injuries changed that for us, I think. I think Avery changed a ton of it. Um, but it is a slow start. And now when you're sitting on the bubble, one game in, one game out, you don't really know which side of the fence you lie on. Um, those games matter. And it's a, it's a pattern under Boynton so far. And this might be the year where it actually ends your season. Yeah, I mean, you touched on a few things there that I want to talk to you about. I've, I've really got kind of three notes that I wanted to run past you and, and just kind of pick your brain on. One being Avery Anderson. If I would have told you in February, Avery Anderson is out for the rest of the season, what do you think at that time you would have thought Oklahoma State's record would have ended up being? Did you, I mean, did you think that they would have gone two and seven down the stretch? No, I did. I wouldn't have, to be honest with you. I, I don't think I realized the importance of, of depth at guard um, until we lost him. <laughs> you know, like we just don't have a ton there. Um, I, I feel like if you asked me in January, the loss of Avery Anderson, I would have been like, we can get past that. Um, and then you just run into teams like Baylor, um, you know, Texas, these teams where you just didn't have enough there. And then you look up and you're like, well, Avery could have changed something. He could have won one of those games. Um, so, you know, I, I, I honestly don't know if I would have thought it would have been as big of a factor as it ended up being. Well, let's, let's give a little context, too. You and I were texting about this. Oklahoma State down Avery Anderson. They're down Chris Harris Jr. in this game. They're also down two scholarship spots. Yeah. So you're down, going into this game, <laughs> four scholarship players. Yep. That's that is crazy at this point in the season that your roster can be that depleted. But that's that goes back to the whole NCAA sanctions. Like it is still lingering with this program when yep. you, you have that happen to you, and then one guard gets injured, and all of a sudden everything can blow up in front of you. Chris Harris, you know, uh, you you just hope and pray for him because the, it looks like he's re-injured that same knee. Um, now you're down to nine scholarship players. You're really down to three guards plus Keon Williams, who has given you some good minutes, but I, I think it's unfair to throw him out there and expect much. I really yeah. think he's playing a lot because he has to. Similar to Chris Harris, if you have yeah. a Russell Harrison, if you have an Avery Anderson, this this problem is not so right in front of your face. But uh, I would agree with you, Karen. I, there was no way I would have thought Oklahoma State goes two and seven. I thought when that happened – and Oklahoma State beats TCU in the first game without him, and then, you know, goes and beats <laughs> Iowa State and Ames, I'm like, uh, is this team a little more dynamic without him? And the answer is a flat no. Uh, they we cannot. Have, we have Fran Fischilla saying that this team looks a little bit better without Avery Anderson for two games. Yeah. Because it looks like the offense was moving a little bit better. You guys are getting a little bit more open um, <laughs> for two games there. That was a legit question, and then your your clear answer has come for the for the last uh, six seven games. Yeah, I mean, 
no, but no guard can dribble and get past. We're being very negative. We we, we should probably flip the script <laughs> a little bit, right? But yes. I, we we have to talk about two other things that are just a little bit head scratchers this season. You know, NCAA tournament is a goal, but I don't think you know first four is is where Oklahoma State feels like they want to be year in and year out. So let's call out a. I want to call out a couple of things. The shooting. Uh, both against OU and Texas was like confusingly bad. Almost you go up against uh, Texas tech and, and Caleb Asbury goes nuts. Bryce Thompson goes nuts. And it's like, see, I knew we could be a good shooting team. And then uh, OU happens and Texas happens. like, okay, what, what can you expect from this team? There's just been these waves of consistency and inconsistency. And then the last thing I wanted to talk to you about is Caleb Boone. If he gives you any sort of effort for the first 30 minutes of this game, does it look any different to you? He had a double-double in the second half. Like, he he did all of the he, – he dominated for, like, a five-minute stretch there. And then you just look up. It's like if he, if he was just himself for for 20 more minutes in that game, it probably looks a lot different. They, they, he He's so good, and that's why it can just get a little bit frustrating when – you know, and we are being negative. <laughs> we'll get we'll, more we'll positive. Flip, we'll flip the script. Yep. We always do. We always do. But, <laughs> you know, he, he's walking out of huddles and stuff at the, you know, the under four timeout in the first half, um, getting called out by announcers and stuff. And it, it, we're seeing it too, you know. So it's it's just what does that game look like if he if he plays Caleb Boone basketball that we saw in February? Um and, and just and just looks like he's engaged and, and wants to dominate the game because again he he put up a double double in, in about fifteen minutes in the second half like he, he he's that good. Well, if Oklahoma State gets into the NCAA tournament and they want to make a deep run, they need to run through Caleb Boone. And and the set, the thing about it is like he can do that whenever he wants, right? Like I I don't know <laughs> if there's a team like. And and Texas is a decent matchup for him. Kansas is a decent matchup for him. But there's only really like a few centers in the Big 12 looking at like West Virginia, looking at TCU that can really like physically dominate against Caleb Boone. But everybody else, he he should be a 10 plus points, 10 plus rebounds, three blocks type of guy every single night. But a lot of times it seems to be the motor and and kind of the emotion about playing basketball. So you just hope they can get it ironed out because if they want to make a deep run without Avery Anderson, they're going to have to run through Caleb Boone. And I do think if they can do that and they get a good matchup, if they get a team like, let's say, an Arizona State in the first four or a Mississippi State, you can beat a team like that, no problem. Like, I think Oklahoma State's probably like, let's just get in and stop playing somebody from the Big 12. So, uh, that probably Cameron segues us right into kind of the the landscape of things. Uh, I should I should say before we move on though, like I've got to give a shout out uh, to Homefield Apparel, and the reason I'm doing this is because last night Oklahoma State, right when I threw the hoodie on the Homefield Apparel hoodie on, they go on <laughs> like a 14-0 run. So I'm not gonna uh, credit all of that to Homefield, but you might as well stop by, check out their website. Cop the cream-colored Oklahoma State hoodie uh, with the Bucking Bronc helmet on it, uh, and you can use our co- promo code FEELS12 for 15% off your first order. But it was undeniable. I slipped it on, and and Bryce Thompson's going nuts from the elbow. So uh, it, w- hey, it was kind of cool. I'll raise yeah. you one. I'll 
I'll raise yeah. you one. I was wearing home field apparel as well. I wore, I wore the cursive Oklahoma State home field apparel sweater yesterday. So Are it's you not really? Yeah, That's phenomenal. I, I am, yeah, yeah. So it, it, it might not be that much of a coincidence. Well, uh, you don't need the frequent flyer card anymore, Cameron, uh, especially if you're rocking <laughs> home field apparel around these parts. Again, with our promo code FEELS12, you'll get 15% off your first order, and you can be rocking crew necks. You can be rocking hoodies. You can be rocking some sweet tees like Cameron, myself, Dustin, and anybody else with like some fashion sense. Like Everybody's wearing home field now, so you should too. Um, let's transition, though. Everybody's wondering, where does Oklahoma State stand? And I... I even with Oklahoma State being on the bubble, this is one of my favorite things in sports is breaking down the bracket and who needs what. So, Cameron, let me just give you this scenario. <laughs> I'll just I'll just sum it up in, in one part. Oklahoma State has literally no margin for error. Like, they are quite possibly, I've already said this, quite possibly the first team out or the last team in, and they could slide up and down that scale based on what happens and I'll give you some teams to kind of look out for. And, and some of these teams already have some results like Oklahoma state's got, got some friends out there right now that have given them some help. So let's go down the list. Michigan was a team that Jerry Palm had in the first four. They took a loss in their first game in the big 10 tournament. That's a huge one. Another team in the big 10 that it was in a similar position, Wisconsin, they were a team that a lot of bracketologists had slotted above Oklahoma State. They also take a loss in their first round. I think you can safely knock those two out of the field of 64 or even the field of 68. I do not think that they're a threat. Other teams that I think right now you can safely consider out, Nevada, who just lost to San Jose State in the first round of the, I believe that's the Mountain West tournament. That was a huge loss. Nevada about three weeks ago would have been considered like a possible seven seed and slid all the way out, kind of like Oklahoma State, but they just didn't get any good wins down the stretch. And then North Carolina, I think, was one that everybody was looking at. What were they going to do in the ACC tournament? Uh, yeah. The answer was nothing. So thankfully, <laughs> you've got four teams that I think Michigan, Wisconsin, and North Carolina are big brands in college basketball, Cameron. I think you're well aware of that. So uh, to see them out is is a decent feeling, right? Yeah, you're not you're not putting the logo into effect anymore. North Carolina was the one that scared me because you can also just that would be so on brand for them to go win the ACC tournament. They weren't that good last year, and they made the final. Like during the regular season, they weren't that great. Um, so it, they, they made me very nervous going in, into the tournament week. Um, luckily they're, they're done. Um, and, and it, it does take that, that fear of a brand out. Um, so happy there. There's a, some other teams that are worrying me, um, but, but couldn't ask for more for those three teams. Yeah. yeah. So North Carolina was one North Carolina and Michigan were teams I had kind of circled like Wisconsin, you know, with Chucky Hepburn, I, guys, I'm a huge college basketball fan. So if these are <laughs> names that like don't ring a bell, I'm sorry, but I just am. Uh, Wisconsin, I watched them all year. They were awful. But Michigan and North Carolina, like North Carolina with Caleb Love, Leaky Black, Armando Baycott, they were number one at one point in the season. And I read a stat. They're going to be the first preseason number one to miss the NCAA tournament in like 50 years or something like that. So uh, an unprecedented situation. 
But let's take it even a step further, Cameron. Here are some teams that I think Oklahoma State is going to be jockeying with, and I'll give you some teams to root for as well. Utah State plays tonight, Thursday night, at 10.30 Central against New Mexico. Utah State's a four-point favorite. Joe Lunardi has Utah State as the second-to-last team in the field. Jerry Palm has them as in the first four-round as well. That's a, a big one right there is Utah State. Mississippi State, Oklahoma State nearly caught a huge break today as Florida and Mississippi State went down to the wire, but Mississippi State won that game in overtime. Had Florida won that game, I think we're talking about Oklahoma State probably being two lines up from where they are right now. And then two more teams that I think you would have rooted for to lose would be Penn State. Uh, I would consider them a lock at this point to be in. Uh, They've won two straight massive games. And then Arizona State, who is on the outside looking in, but they've got a big opportunity against USC. So as we talk about bid stealers, Arizona State would be one that like, they're not going to win the conference tournament and they could very well get their way into, you know, a, a bubble type of situation, but you can't have a, uh, a Tulsa go on a run and steal something out of the American or something like that. Yeah. Everything needs to go chalk. And if it doesn't, then Oklahoma state's in a lot of trouble. Yeah, no, for sure. Um, yeah, the, the, that's the big fear is just some random, team that's an eight seed in their own conference coming up and and winning their tournament and then putting us just one spot out that's that's the fear but um yeah i don't know we're just sitting in a weird spot and i just don't know i'm, I'm very i'm in a, i'm in a very nervous spot here Gabe. do you do you want a bid stealer to look out for yes i do Th- this is gonna sound crazy considering they have a losing record but you know how this goes in march I'd look at Oregon State a couple years ago. Ohio State is not a team that I am excited about watching right now. They've won two games in the Big Ten tournament. They've got Michigan State tomorrow. I think Michigan State's only a two-point favorite. They're one game away from the Big Ten semifinals, and that would be a team that could potentially steal your bids. So uh, big Spartan fans is Oklahoma State, but hopefully the whole purpose of that is obviously to give a little bit of uh, perspective These are the teams I think that you should be watching. Um, Two huge ones tonight in Utah State, Arizona State. Uh, I think you're big New Mexico and USC fans. But uh, sorry, Cameron, thank you for letting me nerd out a little bit there on the bracket. Someone had to do it. Someone had to do it, Kate. Somebody's got to do it. I'm happy to be that person for you. But if you have questions on that, you can always tag us. On Twitter, uh, I'm at Cade Webb. You can tag us at Feels Like 45 Pod. Uh, this is one of my favorite times of year, so I love talking it. But Cameron, uh, any final thoughts on the landscape? I mean, I, I've got one kind of question for you. Shoot, you think Oklahoma State's in? No, um, I don't. I I was I I think. The resume, you know, the quad one wins are there. Um, we There's not a super marquee win on the schedule, um, and I don't think 15 losses looks good. And I, I've i seen this before where and, – and in situations where we've been much further, you know, into the field with, with bracketologists, right? The, year, the Trey Young year where we beat them and then they steal our spot. 
Um, even the Cade Cunningham year, people had us as a two or three seed. We get a four seed draw. Um, with a, it, it, it's just always weird. Um, and I hate to bring this back up. I love that he did it. Our coach and athletic director did go out on a press conference uh, berating the, the NCAA <laughs> and I don't, and I'm glad they did it. They needed to do it. It was awesome. Um, I just, I think, I, I think I might be fearing for the worst as I do, as you know, but those, that's just kind of what this has been for the past five years is what it's felt like. Um, and that's just kind of the, the vibe I'm getting, unfortunately. Ooh, uh, it's that last piece for me that's like, I think you've given a little bit, and and maybe this is reading too much into it, but I don't disagree with you that going up and naming, uh, you know, NCAA officials uh, the year before you might need a, a, a reason to get in the tournament <laughs> is, is tough. Here's what I will say. The bubble is unbelievably weak this year. In any other year, I think Oklahoma State's probably – well on the outside looking in they're probably in the next four out like they're probably not really on the bubble um in in any other type of year but when you're going up against you know a, a kind of particularly weak like arizona state and a, a mississippi state or a utah state a nevada even those are teams that like when you're yep. in the big 12 those that's where I think your resume and an 18 and 15 doesn't matter as much when you've got six quad one wins, those two quad three losses are, are I, I'm sorry, the one quad three loss really is an albatross around your neck. You would love to not have that. Um, but ultimately I do think Oklahoma state's in um, now that's at the time of recording. If you've got three teams that roll through their conference tournament and, and steal your bid, then no, you're out. But uh if you ask me today, is Oklahoma State in? I say yes. And do I think they make it? I'm also going to say yes. I think they're going to be literally the last team in. And I think they're going to be in that last, like first four round in Dayton against a, I'll, I'll say Arizona State. Yeah, no, I hope you're right. And look, I, the, the mark we set and, and that you and Dustin obviously said that eight, eight conference wins felt like the mark where you're probably in the tournament and you hit it. So it's like, I'm probably being a little bit too recent. We are coming off of a frustrating loss, um, but a Texas loss probably doesn't hurt you as much as it feels like it might right now. Um, you got the eight conference wins. You do have a lot of good wins there. I, I do hope you're right. I just, I think I'm more fearing, um, kind of some what's what's happened in 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 our in our past um yeah probably that's way to approach it but that's just kind of where i'm at personally well i i i love it and i respect it i think a lot of oklahoma state fans too listening to this podcast are probably nodding along to what you're saying like i i i I (laughs) might be on the out outside looking into the collective opinion of oklahoma state basketball right now um you know cameron let's say they make it in I'll, i'll give you one more hypothetical let's say they make it What's the ceiling? I mean, they could they could make a Sweet Sixteen if they get like a if they get a uh, St. Mary's or something like that, where you can just be way more athletic than the other team, and you can make it try and look like what it's looked like when we played Oklahoma. You know, why not? You know, why not win that first game and then see what happens in the second one? You know, I don't think we're making the Sweet Sixteen. That's not what I'm trying to say. Um, but this team hasn't has enough. They do enough on defense where they can. 
they can win that first round game and it wouldn't really be a shock. I think I agree with you. Like if, and it's, it's hilarious because this is the eighth, eighth team in the big 12, you know, they're 18 yeah. and 15. They just shot like 4% from three against Texas. So uh, I know that, I know that this is a little sour right now for some Oklahoma state fans, but I think it's all about the draw. If you get a team yeah. that's really long and athletic, like a Penn state, they are long and athletic. They're not, I don't think that they are a great basketball team, but if you were to somehow draw them, maybe they're not as far in the field as you think, and you draw them, I think they could give you some fits. But if you're if you were to get like a Arizona State or a Utah State, even, I I would love that matchup. And then one thing that's been pretty common, and you kind of said it, is these St. Mary's and Creightons and a um you know, there's there's some other kind of mid-major teams on that 5-6 line that it, if you were to draw them in the first round, I think Oklahoma State could be favored in a game like that. And I don't even think yeah. that that's a crazy thought. So it, I do think it's all about the draw. They could lose in that first round of 64. They could not make it. Or I do think if the cards fall right, which why would they, right? I don't know why they would, but if they did, I think you could see Oklahoma State make a run beyond the round of 32, but man, it would take a lot to 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 see that happen. So uh, I would at this point, I would take a, a a round of 68 and be one of the first four in. So we'll take it. I just want to play next week. I just want to play next week. I want to be. I want to be at work and being able to to excitingly watch an Oklahoma State basketball game next week. Amen. That's all I want. Um, you know that that's that's where we need to be. So I that's that's just it. That's all we need. Amen. Uh, one other quick plug before we move on to just some other news and notes, and then right into questions. Uh, next week as you're getting geared up for March Madness, uh, it's obviously one of the best times of year. It's Christmas for me. Uh, you should be on Prize Picks. We don't talk a ton about it. They are a great partner to this podcast, and if you're interested in you know, player parlays or any type of, you know, uh, fun bets like that, you can check out prize picks. And with our promo code feels 12, they will match your first deposit up to a hundred dollars. So if you haven't done it already, which I know a lot of our listeners have, this is the week to do it. Have a little fun. Let's see if you can get John Michael Wright above eight and a half points. I would take that all day. Uh, I would get prize picks downloaded. And again, with our promo code feels 12, they will match your first deposit up to a hundred dollars. Cameron, have you checked out prize picks yet? Of course. Of course. I love a good player prop. <laughs> I love it. All right. Just a couple of quick housekeeping items before we move on. I think Dustin or my, my dear friend, Dustin might kill me if I don't talk softball for just a quick second, Dustin, I'll take the mic from you. <laughs> Cowgirls go five and oh, uh, this weekend, which really was kind of the expectation, a fairly weak schedule, with teams featuring, you know, South Dakota State, Tarleton State, Maine, a decently competitive game against Missouri, but ultimately the Cowgirls go 5-0. and The real storyline for me, though, Cameron, is they welcome the number five Florida State Seminoles into Stillwater for a three-game homestand Friday, Saturday, Sunday, which is probably the biggest non-conference uh, softball game regular season series that I can remember. So uh, 
highly recommend getting the Stillwater. I think they only started selling tickets like five days in advance. I think it's sold out. You may have to check out the Cowgirl Grove, which looks pretty sick. You can tailgate kind of behind the stadium. They'll do the pop-up, um, you know, Jumbotron back there. So that looks like a lot of fun. But Cameron, I mean, you and I will be together this weekend. If Selection Sunday doesn't go our way, we may be drowning our sorrows with some Cowgirl softball. No, I'm down. I, I Cowgirl softball is a blast. Um, I do have a, a one-track mind. I don't have the ability to, to focus on two sports at once because I'm not that smart. Um, so I do have to let basketball play itself out before I dive fully into baseball, softball, and golf. But, man, college softball in general as a sport is probably one of the more fun things to just have on your TV. It's like arena baseball. It's just awesome. And, and OSU has just been awesome for, for a few years now. Um, so, yeah, we're, we're, we're big softball guys. A hundred percent. I mean, there there are some hitters on this squad, Cam. Uh, I, I'm curious to see how pitching goes, uh, you know, beyond Kelly Maxwell. I, I have some questions, but I think that they've got enough firepower potentially to to overcome any of that, which is not <laughs> dissimilar to the way Cowboy Baseball's opening part of the season has gone. They're hitting bombs. Nolan Schubert is walking off. I mean, he looks like he's got an MLB type of swing. They've won their last seven in a row, a sweep against Austin P. Two in a row against Arizona State. Cameron, if the pitching comes around, this could be one of Josh Holiday's uh, most explosive offensive squads that I think we've seen in a while. Yeah, no, it's exciting. Um, yeah, Last year was the year I fully fell in love with uh, with Oklahoma State baseball. Um, that, that Arkansas series was, was just so oh. much fun to watch. It, uh, it actually started like a Rock Riggio fan club out of my friends because uh, they were following along as well. So, uh, no, I can't wait. I hope, uh, I hope we end a little bit stronger this year than we did last year, and I hope we can, we can be as good as, as we hope. Yeah, no, no question. I, I think that uh, obviously the schedule has a lot to do with it. Dustin and I talked about this last week. It softens. that They're still at home this weekend. Um, I think they're in the middle of a 12-game homestand, if I'm not mistaken. So it's a great chance to get out to Stillwater. It's going to be 80 and sunny on Saturday. Uh, I will not be in Stillwater. I will be in Kansas City where it's 40 and raining. So uh, <laughs> yeah. I would just stay south, go to go to O'Brate Stadium, uh, and go to, obviously, Cowgirl Softball while you're at it. Make it a great weekend on the Diamond in Stillwater. Cameron, though, that that leads us into questions. And I think the reason for we're moving fairly fast because we have a lot of them. Obviously, when Cowboy basketball is right on the bubble like this, people get pumped. I get pumped. I want all the questions and we got them before we do that, though. I have a question from Dustin. He (laughs) he came in from the top rope and he asked, how mad should I be about no spring game? And I'd like to follow it up. <laughs> Who should I yell at about it? And Dustin says, thank you for joining Cameron and have fun. <laughs> um, let's talk spring game, shall we? Yeah, let's get into it. Um, you want to lead it off or let me go? No, speak. Okay. It's um, it's really similar to the um, the loud outcrying for, for the basketball attendance where you could you can go to the games 
we last year's spring game, we we had just won twelve games, had incoming playoff hype, and I mean personally, like you don't see. I didn't go to the spring game. I've never been to one. There, no one. There wasn't a huge attendance at the spring game in a year where there was that much excitement about it. So what are we doing? Acting like it's the biggest loss, and that it's it's just kind of a thing to pile on Gundy is my my feeling on it. Um, it's one of those things that if it was a big deal to you, you had like no one really was going, and the stadium is under construction. So um, I, that's it's a very odd topic to me to to be upset about. I think there's a lot of frustration, and you know, some rightfully so about the football program. I think we are taking it out on something that no one really cared that much about uh, based on recent data. <laughs> I had a feeling you'd come in with the sauce. I had a feeling, and you you did. I think I Look, agree. I don't, with I don't you. get to come on here long. I don't get to come on here often. I got to make my mark on it. I got to get my takes out. It's it's kind of like we're not here for a long time. We're here for a good time. That's your approach. <laughs> of course, of course, I got to yeah. make my mark. <laughs> well, I think you have, uh, of course, but <laughs> yeah, I, I I think I agree with you. I mean, I I told this to I told Dustin this. This would have been the year that I would have been excited about the idea of going to a spring game, yeah. but being completely transparent, I've not been to one. And I, I mean, I, I have been to like 95% of Oklahoma State's home games over the last 10 years. So uh, the spring game was never truly something that was like a, a date circled on my calendar. And I, I don't know if it was for others, but I I never got the sense that it was that important. No. And I don't disagree with you. I think the tone around the football program, especially on social media, is is very much like piling on. And, you know, Dustin and I don't get too hot takey on here, but it certainly feels like an opportunity to, um, you know, poke Mike Gundy in his side a little bit it's the way it feels to me like you know the the program is reclusive and unaccessible when you've got a tarp laid out across the entire field and the entire north side you can see yeah. through it like there's no bleachers in it so i just think the whole thing is a little bit dumb to be completely honest with you and the reason <laughs> that i say that is like nobody was going and the people that are the loudest about it are the people that don't care like it just feels like they're piling on. So I agree with you. Um, we could have brought our favorite tweets about it, but uh, <laughs> we didn't do that. Uh, I promised Dustin we wouldn't. And um, yeah, I, I think I'll just leave it at the whole thing is dumb. And we'll got, see yeah. it in, in September. One last quick thought on it. Our spring game is not a spectacle and it doesn't have to be. We have other spectacles that are, things that other schools don't have. Some some schools have massive, huge spring games. And I think the reason that a lot of fans here think that it has to be such a big deal is because OU, you look up and they have, you know, they sell it out every year. But, you know, what they don't have is 100,000 Oklahoma State fans walking around on Friday of homecoming. Like, just because the spectacles are different doesn't mean that having a spring game and it losing it is is some indictment on the program. Cam, one of the other things I was going to float past you, a uh, friend of the pod, Justin Southwell, tweeted this out and uh, I think kind of brought it, I, maybe not into our mentions, but I it was sent to me several times. The idea of doing away with a traditional spring game, spring scrimmage, what have you, 
and scheduling an FCS team. Would you go for something like that? I would if we didn't already do it once a year. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm not that excited about it. I do like the idea of doing something different um, instead of a traditional spring game. I personally would like less FCS opponents coming to Stillwater myself. So that's just how I feel about that whole thing. I don't have that much fun watching Savannah State games. So um, something like that, you know, we can do something different. Maybe the FCS route isn't my cup of tea, but, you know, maybe you do something different and people start going. Um, but I don't know. Not not my favorite, but I do I do like the idea of some change and doing something exciting there instead. Yeah, yeah, totally agree with you. Uh, here's another one from Dustin. He said, is there going to be enough time to talk about how much we miss him and how smart he is? Um, there is, <laughs> Dustin, but that's in the Patreon, so you'll have to subscribe <laughs> to that. Once we launch it, um, here's one from Sam at GoPokes02. Assuming OSU makes the tournament as a 10 or 11 seed, what is our realistic ceiling for how far we can go? Cameron, we talked about this. I mean, we we said the ceiling is Sweet 16, right? But yeah. handedly, I think it's probably like round of 32 is is where I think the yeah. like the most aggressive is, and then the Cinderella story is round of 16, right? Yeah, um, I think the Sweet 16 was just coming up. Like last year, Iowa State didn't have much business being in a Sweet 16, and they they made it. Um, you know, so that's kind of that's the if everything breaks right. But th- this team's good enough to to win a game. You know, the round of 64 game. So um, that's kind of why that was my answer on there. But um, absolute peak uh, Sweet 16. I think a good season. You go into next year excited about just winning uh, that round of 64. Yeah, 100%. Um, another one from Brian Metcalf is a great question. If you could have home field apparel make one T-shirt, hat, et cetera, design, what would you have them make? This is phenomenal and great press for our friends over yes. here at Home Field Apparel. Uh, Cameron, I I might need a second. Okay. Um, I don't. I really Go ahead. <laughs> no, 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 no. You go. I insist. Yeah. I really like the Oklahoma State gear that leans into the OS uh, baseball logo. I know we have a little bit of it on there um, on home field, or maybe we had in the past. Um, I'd like to lean into a little bit of that more because I think that's a great logo. Um, and then I also love uh, old school Barry Sanders uh, mm. OSU brand. Um and just them, they could make an orange shirt with a white one of those, and I would buy it for sure. So um, those two logos are the ones where I think that that that's what I that's the other home field apparel that I would buy. I think I'm going to go more on the basketball side of things. I mean, they do such a good job with football already. So I'm yeah. going to give basketball a little love, and I'm going to go with kind of the Bryant Reeves era. I'll give two design ideas. One is is based off of the the jerseys that Oklahoma State wore tonight against Texas yes. with the block Oklahoma State. I think you just give them that template and say make something awesome and they will. The other one is I would I I would buy this tonight if it was available. Some sort of, you know, uh graphic tee with, or maybe a crew neck with the 1995 Final Four logo on it. Something kind oh, of vintage. Yeah. That's what Homefield Apparel loves to do. Um, maybe some sort of like 
you know, homage to Bryant Reeves breaking the glass that season. Um, I think that there would be a lot of potential there. So that idea is free of charge for our friends at home field, by the way. So uh, we're, we're happy to be a think tank for them as well. So that, that would be kind of my response. Kate, are we ready for calculator letter Oklahoma State hasn't been as <laughs> look yet? Are we there yet? Um, I actually think somebody said that unironically on Twitter not too long <laughs> ago. And it it kind of struck me like, are, am I that old to where the calculator font <laughs> is throwback? And here's the answer. Never. It it's it should be it should be a forgotten. It should be a forgotten era, in my opinion. Do, do you agree? Kate, I think you can. I think it's about to start coming back. I think we're like five years away from like someone walking into Boone Pickens Stadium and me looking at that shirt and tapping you on the shoulder and saying that it's a good shirt. I think we're like approaching that era. You're probably not wrong about that, but all I can think about is like, the Tatum Bell jerseys or the <laughs> Vernon Morency jerseys. And, you know, in hindsight, just how bad they were. Um, I think, I think that's so out that you're probably right. It could absolutely come back because what's old is new again. So good thought there, Cameron. Um, here's one from Garth still uh, at Garth underscore still. Why don't they just move the spring scrimmage to Stillwater high school? Seems like too big of a recruiting weekend not to have it. That's a good angle. Um, not necessarily. I I don't think that they could move it to Stillwater High School. I think you'd get roasted for that, uh, which <laughs> might be counterintuitive. I might join in on the roasting. Um, but the recruiting angle, I think, will still happen. Right? Like they're going to do a meet and greet. It's still going to be a big weekend in Stillwater. The spring game was already so, you know, little of a spectacle. I'm not convinced that it has much of an impact. Yeah, it, it is a very valid point that uh, my my frustrations about that topic weren't aimed at that because that is true. Um, it, it, it could be a good recruiting opportunity. I just don't feel like many recruits came to last year's spring game, saw that spectacle of like fans in the stadium and thought that's why they'd go there. Um, and I don't, you know, I, I don't know. I don't know how important it is to Gundy and, and how they recruit. Um, but it's a very valid point that, um, you know, there's probably something there. Yeah, we, we had another one similar to, from at Chris Fevold, F-E-V-O-L-D. And he said, now that Texas is headed out the door, will we get a Big 12 network? And if we do, will Gundy be obligated to have a spring game to air? I'm going to just go no and no, but I like where your head's at. Um I think the Big 12 would like go direct to streaming though. Like they they would just uh I, I mean I I think that they could figure out a way to do something with like a YouTube TV where they have exclusive broadcasting rights or something like that before they do a Big 12 network. So it's a great question. Here's one from Josh Hawkins, Joshua Hawkins at J7 Hawkins. In a scenario where you can bring back either Musa or Caleb next season, why would who would you pick and why is it Musa? Yeah, um, I think he's right. I Musa is such a game changer when he's out there, um, and healthy. Like, it's just, I, I don't like picking against those. Two. I do love Caleb Boone. I know we were negative about him today, but he's he's an he's awesome, he's really good. Um, 
but for some of the negative things we said earlier in the podcast that I don't want to spew again, um, I would go Musa. I think he is just um, he's just one of those guys where if we get one team that's really good for a year, we're going to look back and he'll be like an all-time favorite Cowboy, I think. Yeah. I, Cam, I love that. I, I think Caleb Boone has every tool in his toolkit to be an All-American except the mindset. Like I, I just, I don't, I don't think he has it between the ears to, to do that for 35 games in a year and, and take Oklahoma state to an elite eight Musa Cisse, if he could figure out a way to refine anything on the offensive side, which we're three years into his career, I'm not sure that we're going to see that, but Musa could be a guy that like, he he could elevate you into an elite eight type of status if you have shooters around him. Yeah. Caleb, I think is if you have so much riding on him, you're gonna go as Caleb goes, and Caleb goes up and down w- with the wind, with the change of the weather, and uh, it's unfortunate because you wish somebody would just grab him, and 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 I know they have, but you wish he would understand that, man. It's you're you're a good work ethic away from being a a. a a pro and a good pro. So um, it's unfortunate. He even talked about this on the Mike Boynton radio show that it took up until like last season for him to finally get in the gym and start working. And it was Avery Anderson's encouragement. It's like, you're a great basketball player and you don't work out. Like you don't get shots up in the gym. You do the bare minimum. And it's no wonder why he was in Boynton's doghouse for so much of last year. And, you know, we're not dogging on Caleb Boone, but he is the X factor. He is what makes this team go. And and they go with him. And uh, I think you saw tonight how first half he's 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 missing. Second half he's there. And Oklahoma State's there in the second half, you yeah. know, late. So, I don't know. It's the way I feel. Yeah, I'm with you. All right. couple more. Uh, one from... At Henry S. Marshall, we kind of answered this, but a, a a good call out. After the loss to Texas, who should OSU be cheering for the rest of the weekend so that we secure a spot? And he says, thanks for the great content. You're welcome. Um, I would say <laughs> the teams you need to be rooting for are New Mexico and USC. Th- those are your two teams right now. Um, and anybody beyond that would be root for chalk. Don't Don't root for any upsets. You need everything to go the way it's supposed to go. Cameron, any other thoughts on that? Yeah, no madness. We're rooting against madness for at least four more days. And then after that, we can have all the madness. But for four days, we want a boring conference tournament week. 100%. 100%. Here's another one from Bill Minat. At Bill, my geo guy. is good, bad, or indifferent. Mike Boynton has a prohibitively large buyout. But assistants need to change, right? This is football season all over again. Cameron, you want me to kick that one to you See for your thoughts? Yeah, uh, me and you have talked about this. It's, um, I think it's a little bit easier for me to break down like what things aren't working in football. I just I know what is happening in an offense more in football than I do in basketball. Um, but I know today, like that period in the Texas game where from probably the 13-minute mark to the six-minute mark, it was just unacceptable. It was a, it was a brand of basketball that was 
kind of kind of ridiculous to watch and it's it's not the first time that's happened there was you know that's three games down the stretch where you shot terribly we we're good good enough on defense and and oh you was bad enough you know to win that game pretty handily but you also did it against Baylor where you shoot in the 30s as a whole um you know make a tiny run at the end and it looks a little bit closer but um the offense is it teeters on unacceptable um, and I don't know what that changes. I don't know if it's if it's a Mike Boynton philosophy or if it's an assistant coach that instills it. I don't know it as much as I do like in football where it's easier to break down. Maybe something Casey Dunn's doing isn't working. You know, maybe we're not doing enough. Um, in basketball, I don't know what that is, but all I know is the this 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 year was supposed to be better on offense, and it's still what is putting us back on the bubble. So that's – it needs to change. I don't know where it changes, um, but the clock has started now on – it's got to change now. Cam, that was a phenomenal answer. Uh, I agree with you. I think Mike Boynton's job, like, first and foremost, is to scheme guys open and make them play good defense. I think he does both of those. Like, if you go back and watch that game, they were one of 15 from three up until, like, 18 minutes left in the second half. And I think 12 of them were uncontested looks. You've got guys open. So I think to your point, the clock is ticking, but what, what do you do to fix it? Because I think some of it could be philosophy. I think that, you know, ultimately you have guys in Bryce Thompson, Woody Newton, who have not historically shown that they're like consistent three point shooters You've got a Caleb Asbury and a John Michael Wright who have done it, but they have not done it at this level. So I, I think the answer is this, Cameron. Oklahoma State's probably going to need to go get three guys out of the portal next year when you start doing the math. Say they bring John Michael Wright back, Caleb Boone, Musa Cisse, Keon Williams, and the five guys coming in in the recruiting class. You get you get 13 minus one for the scholarship production. That leaves you three scholarships for the transfer portal, if they take anybody under a 39% three-point shooting clip, um, and that's kind of, I, I don't want to prohibit ourselves from taking somebody like a Caleb Asbury again, but if they're under 39%, I think Oklahoma State should look elsewhere. They have got to go get some shooters. Yeah. Caleb Asbury is a guy I wish I had, we had more years of. Um I but you're a hundred percent right. It's, it's, he's not, he's not a, he's a, he's a good three point shooter. We don't have a specialty three point shooter and we haven't had one in, in, a, in a long time. And it's, it, we made two or three of them today. And it, it just, that's, that's the gap that we have yeah. to close or we will keep losing, getting swept by the top four. Completely agree with you on on Asbury. I said before the season that he was going to put the Big 12 on notice. I think without him, Oklahoma State's season uh, yeah. looks pretty different. He was really your only consistent. Bryce Thompson showed uh, a lot more consistency late in the season, but it was Caleb Asbury that was kind of your 
all season was was gonna be the the threat from the perimeter. Mm-hmm. Um, I think John Michael Wright though can come back and give you some really good minutes. Obviously, getting getting way too deep into this, but I, I think Oklahoma State has the tools next year if they go get some pieces around this team. Uh, they they need guards that can penetrate and 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 get to the rim though. So we'll see how that goes. Um, a couple more here. A lot a lot of questions about basketball and. And offense, um, some Will Andrews at Will underscore Andrews says, how can I make the pain inside me stop? <laughs> you can do one <laughs> of two things. You can look the other way and not watch Oklahoma State basketball, or you can uh, you can look the other way and just kind of lie to yourself like like I tend to do. So, uh, Will, let me know if you need any support in that regard. I'd be happy to help you. Um my recommendation on that: go watch yeah. Bedlam highlights. Go like go watch a Oklahoma State like whoop up on OU for three games in a row this year type highlight. Yeah, remember how awesome yesterday was? Just think about that instead of how how bad today was. <laughs> it truly was whiplash for <laughs> like twenty four hours. I I can't yeah. believe how different it looked. Um, <laughs> let's let's finish up here. Um, how do we end our season long scoring drought? without also ending our season. That one's from at Vicky dub. She says, uh, let me read that again. Karen, do you, do you know, how do we end our season long scoring drought without also ending our season? I'm, I'm stumped on what we're trying to, to learn here. Are we saying if we just score all the points, we'll win every game. <laughs> Vicky, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm stumped. I'm going to, I, I think you're probably right, Cameron. Score more points, win more games. Um, we, we may just very well cut this. Um, all right. Last couple questions here. Uh, I actually think here's here's our last one. This is from Will Hendrickson, at Will Hendrickson. Is basketball or football in more desperate need of an offensive reboot? That's a great one, Cam. I'll, I'll kick it to you. Oh, gosh. <laughs> Such a it's... depressing question. Um, I'm going to say football. Um, I'm going to say football because I think that basketball's identity is going to be defense and playing good on defense. I think we're not – I don't think we're – like we offense has to change in basketball, but I think that as long as Mike Point is the coach, our, that defense is, and, and athleticism is going to be the identity – he just needs to tweak a little at the guards, maybe. Um, I think it's offense because um, it was it was it was broken at almost all levels, um, and that it's got to be offense. You got to you got to change something there more than basketball. I think. Yeah, I man, th- this is a polarizing question. Maybe one of my favorite questions we've ever got. And and you and I talked about this how difficult it's been to see a football and basketball team being diehard fans of both. I mean, we have seen bad offense for the last eight months, Cameron, in two different settings. (laughs) And uh, it's been a struggle. But I don't know how you can look at football and uh, think that they don't need to change something. And I think the proof is in the fact that they are changing some things. Dustin and I have talked a lot about this, that they are – more than likely going to end up going to a gap type of running scheme. They are going to incorporate a tight end. 
they've got a quarterback in Allen Bowman who's not mobile, so he's going to – well, he is mobile, but he's not a, a scrambler in the Spencer Sanders sense. So they're going to throw it around quite a bit and try to run it up your up the gap. So I, I think the proof is right there. Now, that doesn't let Oklahoma State basketball off the hook. I, I think you have to look at your assistant coaches right now and think, okay – on that bench, who is going to help me right now? You've got, I mean, look at like what Baylor was able to do with Jerome Tang, who is, oh, no big deal, going to lead Kansas State to a two seed in the NCAA tournament in his first season. Yeah. So I don't think you have an assistant coach even close to that on your bench right now. And that's that's with all due respect. So I think the question is phenomenal, Will. Um, and I think you could make a healthy case for both, but I'll give the lean to to football. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I totally agree. It's it, let's hope this year, this next year is a little bit more fun. Golly, I hope, I hope so. Only sharpshooters and only long touchdown passes. That's that's the mo in twenty twenty three and twenty twenty four for football and basketball. But Cam, that's it. That's all the questions we got. Uh, this was a fun one. I love having you on. I wish we could have come on after whooping up on Texas and think how far can this team go. Uh, but appreciate you filling in. Uh, thankful for it, and and love having you on the podcast, man. Of course, thank you for having me. I hope it. Uh, I hope it. I hope it was uh, up to par. Um, you know, not there's not there's not Dustin Regrusses walking around uh, just everywhere. So uh, they don't grow on filled, trees, man. No, they do not. So I hope I filled in well. Um, but yeah, man, let's uh, let's go make a little run. Let's get in this tournament and win a couple games. Well, let's uh, you and I. In Kansas City this weekend, location TBD will be certainly sweating out the Selection Sunday broadcast. So uh, we'll, we'll try to avoid Twitter for that one because that's going to be some nervous moments. Um, and and uh, as I'm sitting here, my wife and I are uh, obviously the reason we're, we're going to Kansas City. Our second is due in May. Our anniversary, our sixth year uh, anniversary of marriage is coming up here in, in a couple of weeks. And so uh, I'd be remiss if I didn't give a shout out. Uh, to my wife there, uh, who uh, obviously allows me to do this and so many other things. So big shout out to her. Excited to see you, Cam, and spend some time in Kansas City. But without further ado, thank you. If you're not already, you can follow us at Feels Like 45 Pod on Twitter and Instagram. You can follow Dustin at Dustragu still. You can follow Cam at CamWeb1. And lastly, you can follow me at CadeWeb. We will see you guys back here next week. Root for USC, root for New Mexico, and root for no chaos, and we'll see where that leads us. We'll see you guys back here next week. Go, folks.